you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And joining me today, another lifelong fan and, well, a voice that's familiar to many of you, Mr. Blake Stark. Blake, good to have you back, pal. Fantastic to be back on a, on a football Friday. Right. Look at you just, just crawling back in off the golf course while I'm doing all the hard work. Now he comes in on game week right before. What a jerk. Well, I, don't, I didn't crawl in here today. I, I bounced in on my toes, <laughs> That baby. is true. That After is true. swing by the downtown traps location, get a couple of tiger paws to get this, get this thing off right. That's right. Why not, why not get the Friday afternoon off to the right start? And we got tons to to talk about today we might even touch on the point spread a little bit and of course Blake and I's favorite segment project run play of course we had a football uniform reveal we'll talk about that and you know what I might even get to a bit of an Oklahoma rant an Oklahoma guy annoyed me on Twitter this morning and I kind of realized you know what OU hasn't got enough of my ire the last few years so we might get to that just oh, just maybe I have so so much OU ire that I can add I guess I'd forgotten how much ire I had for the Sooners especially with the whole Big 12 breakup thing but for whatever reason my my feelings just just popped to the surface all of a sudden but you know what let's just start off talking granularly about the season and specifically about the game tomorrow, of course. Let's just go wherever you want to go with this, Blake. What What are your thoughts about tomorrow, the season? Just start talking, my friend. Well, there's, I mean, obviously there's just, there's so much we don't know, right? With, you know, and I know we're both on record, you more so than I, because I haven't been around as much in the last couple of months. Um, but the, the Eli era has so much promise, I think, to both of us. And just knowing that he's, you know, he's got the offensive credentials and the way he's handled everything that's been thrown in front of him since he's been hired. Um I just feel like I have a, a whole lot of op- optimism for what he's going to be able to do. I, I hear a lot of people being very guarded and very reserved for their expectations for this team, especially that whole limited time to install this offense thing that's been thrown around as sure. as kind of the default reason why I mean, I'm seeing people pick us to to win two games. Right. You know, we'd be lucky if we win three games. I'm right. Not, I'm not on that boat. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going uh, eleven and one like I did last year. Right. Especially since we don't have eleven games, but. Um, I just don't think – I mean, these kids have been playing football. These kids know how to hit a hole. They know what the, you know, the, the schematics and the root trees and all those things don't change. So they can, they can do this, and I think Eli's going to have a plan. And what I'm excited to see – obviously, we'll probably get to score predictions or point spreads at some point. But tomorrow, I, I just expect to see a team that takes the field prepared and then a, a coaching staff that – adapts a game plan to what they see as the game unfolds. Sure. Right. So if, you know, if, if we can, you know, Bama has been a little bit vulnerable to the run lately. Um, you know, if we, if we can find some success running the ball, I expect right. to see us stick with it. Or if we find some things that work early, I expect to see us go there and, and kind of see the game be kind of a chess match with, between a, a coaching staff that thinks rather than a coaching staff last year that I feel like a lot of times just rolled out a, Kind of an plan. autopilot. Yeah, and then there was you know seemingly no adjustments. Yeah, I agree point. with that. So that's what I'm looking forward to see tomorrow. Yeah, I'm with you. And you know what? Uh, just to touch a little bit, a lot of people have brought up the fact that, well, 
we've had no practices, at least no media access to these practices in the preseason. So, by golly, we have no idea what this Eli Drinkwitz offense is going to look like. I think that might be a bit overstated. I actually went back and, and watched the entire App State-North Carolina game this past week. And to me, I'd be surprised if if that offense, this Missouri offense we see tomorrow, will look wildly different than that. I think you're probably going to see tomorrow – Missouri run a lot of run a lot on first and second down just to try to take pressure off the quarterback quite frankly you brought up that the Alabama pass defense was certainly their strength last year also I think if you know we've there's been a lot of talk on this show in particular about guys missing because of either injury or contact tracing or positive COVID tests or opt-outs whatever it is a lot of guys missing on that offensive line I think you'll see a lot of wide receiver screens on first and second down, too, just because, what the heck, let's get the ball out of the quarterback's hand and not worry about the offensive line then. Let the guys on the outside, maybe our bigger receivers, fight it out with those Alabama defensive backs. But yeah, yeah certainly, certainly with the starting, two of the starting receivers are, are senior transfers. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kiki is a, is a big guy. Yep, Kiki um, Chisholm. I mean, he's, it seems like everything you hear about that guy is he's in here putting in all the work and he's like, transformed his body into some you know wide receiver adonis type of thing right i mean that's those are matchups i think we have experience on the outside against anybody um and i i think that if you look back and you look at eli's offenses he's been able to adapt his play calling and his offenses to the strengths of the offenses that he's had so he's had your typical you know statue quarterback he's had your athletic that's true mobile quarterbacks so um and the you know, not to disparage Appalachian State as a program, right? But I certainly think that we have at least the same caliber caliber of athletes here at Mizzou that he had to work with there. I don't think he had superior players at sure. Appalachian State uh, than he has here, particularly Sean Robinson, who we both I think will be the starter tomorrow. Um, is a very talented guy. He's a highly ranked four star recruit. So physically, I mean, there are guys here that are that are high level, maybe not Alabama high level football players, but certainly as good a material as Eli's had to work with. Um, so I think you'll see you know, the wide receiver screen game, and I think his screen game is more advanced, we'll say, than, uh, than Dooley's screen yeah, game. Yeah, maybe a little more varied for sure. And, you know, I think the reason I'm, I'm expecting a lot of first and second down runs, maybe wide receiver screens, a little more conservative play calling tomorrow, is because that's what I saw – from App State against North Carolina. Now, to your point, obviously Missouri is going to have better talent than App State, but maybe the disparity between, say, App State and North Carolina and Missouri and Alabama, maybe there's some comparison there. There's certainly, you know, there's a gap there. Let's put it that way. And that's kind of how Eli played it in that North Carolina game. But, boy, once it became, like, say, third and four, third and five, he'd pull something out of his hat. He'd have, you know, they hadn't run, like, a quarterback option the entire game. But in an important spot on like third and goal inside the five, little speed option, easy touchdown for him. So yeah, that was one I, thing I noticed is he's really good situationally. Yeah, I guess what I was, was saying by that is not that I, – I, I didn't mean that the offense is going to be more effective than Appalachian State's offense uh, against an Alabama. Sure. I'm just saying that the players that he has are are capable of, of executing the plays that he – that's wants true. To execute. So it's not like our guys, you know, all have two left feet or something like that. Right. You know, they can do what they can do the plays that are called. Uh, you know, all due respect to Alabama's efforts to sure. to stop it from succeeding. But no, yeah. And to that point, App State, you know, it's not as though they had a bunch of NFL guys out there at receiver. I mean, I wasn't impressed with their receivers 
at all last year. So the fact that he was still able to, you know, manufacture some offense despite not having a lot of explosive playmakers. I mean, surely there's some guys with Mizzou. We've seen Jalen Knox be a fairly explosive playmaker a couple seasons ago, maybe not so much last year. So, yeah, I'm with you. That gives me hope for sure. And he had one year as Appalachian State's head coach and got things installed there. That's true. Given there wasn't the preseason disruptions that we've had this year. But he got that offense installed there, and he got them performing – at a level where where were they thirteen and one or twelve? Yeah, I think they were twelve and one, and yeah, they won their South Carolina and North Carolina. Yeah, so, so there you go. I mean, he had those guys playing football right in his first year there. Not saying again, we're not going to get those same results here, likely. But I, I, the fact that the fact you know the, this assumption that it's going to be some sort of helter skelter, half ass, you know, throw throw together offense, I think is 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 silly, and I think it's people just being guarded and not wanting to get their hopes up. And indeed, Blake, it is always good to manage expectations in life. But you should always have high expectations for my friends at Built Bar. Because Built Bar is the protein bar that that tastes just like a candy bar. And you know what? Built Bar has all kinds of new products as well that you should check out at BuiltBar.com right now. And the good news is... These people, they know exactly what they're doing because not only are their products tasty and filled with all-natural chocolate, they've also figured out that people like that keto diet, they want low carbs, low sugar, but also high protein as well. So go to BuiltBar.com right now and see their entire variety of products and get $10 off your next order when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. And we'll have more football and project run play coming right up. Yeah, and my whole thing is it's not even so much the COVID period, although that definitely factors in. It has to to some extent. It's definitely not an advantage. Just the whole, you know, obviously spring was very truncated and then you know you've kind of had the start and stop element of this maybe a little tougher to get into a rhythm but for me just anytime you got a new coach and the new quarterback it's just that lack of continuity if you're going to see like a big upset against Alabama for instance probably not going to happen but as far as yeah going forward I think yeah I think Missouri maybe the offense is a little bit maybe underestimated at this point because it can't get much worse than last year Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, the, the big caveat, too, I think, is the offensive line. Right. Because um, they went from a strength two years ago to a, a huge, wildly inconsistent, almost... You could say minus last year, yeah, honestly. Just, just in, yeah. in, inexplicably is what I'm looking for, because right. it, it seemed like there was talent back and all that, but that right. just, it fell That's apart true. as a unit. Right. But again, I mean, you can... I mean, Nebraska proved in the in the 90s that you didn't have to have four-star recruits at offensive line you can you can coach up offensive line now i don't think we have the chemical advantages that's <laughs> that, right that nebraska had right then but uh, <laughs> um i mean these guys are they're big strong guys and they can you know they can do the things that they're asked to do sure well you know i think we've all been since you brought up the offensive line i think we've all been happy with Eli Drinkwitz recruiting so far to say the least but it does seem like offensive line is really the one area of need at least in recruiting it seems like we keep missing out on on those guys in particular and and at wide receiver we've missed quite a few of our big targets too but again otherwise doing really good in recruiting is that something you're starting to worry about because those are two positions of need for now the for now two seasons in a row it seems like 
Well, sure. I mean, that's if you're going to nitpick the the recruiting class and you you want to have the ideal recruiting class, obviously you'd like to see more high profile guys on the offensive line, and you'd like to see more high profile wide receivers. I think they did a, an incredible job of addressing those concerns as much as they could with the in the transfer market. You know, with Hazelton and, and Kiki and um, the the kid from Rutgers, Rutgers Mayetti, I believe. Yeah, is, that's how you say I his mean, name, Michael Mayetti, something like that. He's got. He's already got 40 starts in, the, in you know, a major conference under his belt. So sure. bringing in a guy like that that can play the position and, and can you think he has some sort of leadership effect on the rest of the line, um, I mean, that's, that's about as good as you can hope for, you know, to, to patch what was wrong to, to get off to a good start. And then you hopefully can see some results from that. And, you know, I don't think we're completely out of it necessarily for a couple of those high-profile wide receivers. I'm sure that – I'm sure that – Tyler Macon's still on the phone with his boys. No, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, you never know. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, the scuttlebutt is, and boy, do I love that word, don't I? But the scuttlebutt is that they're probably going to stick out west, those two East St. Louis wide receivers, Dominic LeVette and Keontes Lewis, I do believe. But, yeah, I I just, I don't know what else to really say about the offensive line thing. Just all I know is you can never. The is a turkey sandwich? What's that? The Sunkadoes is a turkey sandwich? Is that the? Remember that? He said he'd bet a turkey sandwich that they were both Tigers. Oh, yeah. I, he did say that, didn't he? Yeah. Well, swing and a miss there. but Oh, well. But, no, I, as far as offensive line goes, I think it just goes to the point that there aren't a lot of guys, there aren't a lot of big men in this world who can play offensive line. Let's put it that way. Like, just take me, for instance. I'm six foot seven. I'm probably 235, 240 as I stand here. I would need to put on 60 pounds, basically, at least 50, to play offensive line. I mean, I don't think I'd be a healthy human being with another 50 or 60 pounds on my body, quite frankly. So the point, in, the only point in my bringing that up is, is those kind of guys are very, very rare, so you can never have enough offensive linemen. I promise you that, even if you're one of the big-time programs. But Isn't the, the kid from St. Louis, that, was it, is it Buford, that recently opted out for the season? I think he was a fairly, a fairly high-profile Jack Buford, yeah, yeah was, I, I can't, I don't know what his recruiting profile was, but he is an offensive lineman, and he did opt out of the season. You're right. So I think he was a guy that we thought, and that whole opt out thing, and I don't know how long we want to go into this or if we want to touch on that much. And not, no, I'm not disparaging the kid by any means for taking whatever steps he wants to protect himself. Um, I, I do wonder how does he feel about his future in the program if he's willing to, to sit out this year, or are you? I mean, are you totally gone from the program if you opt out? Or are you? I, I just I know your eligibility isn't affected, but does he see himself like developing himself this year and then coming back next year and trying to you know put himself in a in a better position on the depth chart? Or I just I'm a little confused at how how all that works. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good question, and boy, you'd like to think that the guys would be welcomed back with open arms and all that stuff, and I'm sure they would be to a certain extent if you sat out a season. Well, hey, let's take Trajan Jeffcoat. Here's a guy who, obviously a completely different situation. I don't want to really speculate on his whatever his situation was, but a guy who was dismissed from the program, essentially sat out an entire season, and is now back. And I, to his credit, I mean, good for him for obviously still training and staying in shape and doing whatever he needed to do to get back in the program. I'm not sure how many guys are really going to do that. I mean, 
once you're outside of the program, I assume if you opt out of the season, that means you opt out of the program for the year, essentially. Because like, the risk you can't like the risk isn't at games, right? Right. It, so you're not going to be training with the team. It's one thing if you're injured. You're still going to be around the facility. You're still going to be working out with the guys and watching tape and, and being involved to some extent. You're still going to be on the sidelines. But like you say, if you opt out, I mean, you're just gone. You're not even thought of for like a year. So, yeah, I'd be really surprised if almost any of these guys who opted out for a season are back in any sort of serious way. Maybe Maurice Macy or something. I would imagine it'd be much more likely that a guy like him who maybe still has some potential despite sitting out this year would maybe be more likely to transfer than actually come back in Mizzou. But, again, that's complete and total speculation on my part, but I think it's a good point to bring up, quite honestly. Yeah, C.J. Boone was another guy from – um, St. Louis that that opted out. By the way, I said C.J. Bone incorrectly on my on, on a show this week. I knew it was Boone. It's definitely Boone. Sorry about that. I, I bet he's got Bone. He's got a nickname related to Bone somewhere. In definitely. There. I, bet, I bet he. I bet he wouldn't be offended. Um, but he to me always seemed like a kid that was very very vocal, like on social media, and was was very he promoted the program and seemed to be really engaged. So that was one that kind of surprised me as well. So I again, I don't know if that's a. You never know what these guys' personal situations right. are. Is, of it, course. is it a is it a is it a, actually a risk thing? Is sure. it a depth chart thing? Is it a yeah. you know? So you just wonder what goes into those decisions. And it's also weird that now. Well, let's bring this up now. The Pac-12 is coming back. What November sixth? Do I have that right, Blake? Mm-hmm. We were mm-hmm. just talking about this. Well, now they're coming back on November sixth, and I guess my point is, well, now the, we obviously know the Big Ten is coming back in in mid late October as well. Well, if all five of these power five schools are now back playing football, then why do we still have, why does this year not count? We're still doing that. We're still doing this thing where, Hey, if you want to come back for your fifth year, Larry Roundtree, you can do so. But why though? I mean, again, if you want to opt out, God love you. That's, that's on you. It's, that's your personal decision. That's fine. But this idea that, Oh, if you opt out or, or don't opt out, frankly, you just get another year magically, this is going to create so many more problems than it's frankly worth, in my opinion, and especially so for like guys who are seniors in high school right now, that cut in juniors too. It's You're just going to jam up the roster, and I, I, I just don't like this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree there's going to have to be some sort of roster expansion and some sort of churn churning thing where you're getting these kids in, and I think it's going to – if you thought that the transfer market – you know, obviously, every year it seems like it gets a little busier. Like kids are leaving for different opportunities, et cetera. Well, if you think it's crazy now, wait till you've got people that are in a program for their fifth year, and now you've got kids that have been recruited over them, um, or you've got kids that are supposed to be freshmen now, and then you got like a double freshman class, right? Um, who, who you know you have to keep recruiting. So you, you know you want to get a quarterback every class, you want to get a couple running backs every class. Well, all of a sudden you've got twice as many of the, each of those guys, and and the the way to the field, the path to the field isn't as clear anymore. So I think the transfer market is going to be just completely bonkers when you're when you're sticking even more people onto these rosters and you've got even more redundancy at these positions and you know who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, it's almost like not in reality in terms of where these guys actually come from, but it's almost like it's going to be a double class. Like there's going to be twice as many guys in the same class, but except the the other half will just be seniors and upperclassmen. But it'll have the same effect as okay. I'm I'm going to go a little deep here. The NBA, its collective bargaining agreement is going to expire pretty soon, and there's a lot of speculation 
that when they do so, the one-and-done rule is going to be gone. Okay, so freshmen, you won't have to go to, to school for a year. Well, what that will create is what people are calling the double draft, meaning that all of those guys who would have previously been in that 2022 draft or whatever it is are all going to be in 2021. So what I'm saying is my point in bringing that up, if I were a, an NBA prospect, I might try to avoid that draft. And if I were a high school kid, I might try to go to prep school for a year and avoid sort of that double class, that kind of deal. I just think there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of ins and outs and people making reactions that that we didn't necessarily expect. Maybe more people going to play hoops overseas now because well, what the hell? I thought I was going to get more playing time here or there. I mean, it's going to create a lot of weird scenarios that none of us have really thought of. You sort of wonder if it it might it's going to create opportunities maybe at schools like Missouri that are trying to level up their, their talent. So if you have maybe schools like Alabama that are getting these double classes and you know, the, the schools that recruit at that high level every year, maybe some of those kids look to go elsewhere where they think they can play faster. Right. But then that in turn, you know, they would come to say, let's say Missouri in the situation or, or whoever. Sure. Um, and that's going to force other kids. There's just going to be kids getting squeezed out and, and, and moved around. And yeah, if you didn't like transfers, boy, buckle up. We're going to get a lot of transfers. Yeah, and think about these- There's going to be a lot of unhappy kids. These- Way more. Than- there always are going to be unhappy kids. There's going to be even more now. Think about these poor high school seniors that, I mean, you know, these rules are not equal across the whole country. So some of them are playing very – I'm going to use truncated because you used that earlier. But, there's, you know, they've got truncated seasons in high school. They've got places where you can't play high school sports. You've got places where they have regular high school sports. So these seniors that, you know, used to have this exposure, you know, or, or have been – could play their way into a, an offer, et cetera, those opportunities are are not equal now. Right. And not, not normal for anybody. So right. just, this is a total churn that's – it's going to just take a couple of years for this to play out, and right. it's going to be really interesting. Sure, and you know we brought up Tyler Macon earlier. I feel I brought this up before, but it's again another factor here. He's probably not, if he wants to enroll early at Missouri because Illinois has pushed their high school football back until next season. He won't be able to defend his state championship with his high school buddies in his senior year of football, and that just sucks. I mean, that sucks for him. Yeah, it's not I mean, just, obviously it's, it's not, not just missing affect, prom; that's missing your right, senior season. Right. I mean, that's way bigger than prom. I'm yeah. sorry, but even that sucks too. But I'm just saying, even for a guy like Macon, who's got a spot at an SEC school for sure, he's going to do just fine moving forward. It's just I don't know. We're, we're just taking away experiences from kids and very unnecessary way in my opinion but you know what let's not start going too far down the covid path because lord knows we've all had an impacted ass full of that at this point (laughs) in our lives but you know what let's let's shift to a more fun topic and that is of course project run play yes that's right me and blake's favorite segment where we break down the uniform reveal of missouri every single week and well this time blake a very basic almost classic new school look obviously one we've seen many times the black top the gold pants it's the classic missouri look but sort of with the that updated helmet the the diamond pattern in it i'm a huge fan of the diamond pattern almost to the point where i think that should be a staple yeah i agree i I think it looks great it pops on there um i will i'll mention that we were wearing these same not not these same ones but the 2010 version of these uniforms we pulled off that OU number one upset very very good point the gold pants have we've had success with this this outfit but uh yeah I think is that are the little the gold bars on top of the black is that a new is that a new look on the shoulder pads there let's see I don't believe it is let's see 
No, I think that's just his number, actually. Hold on. Oh, is that the number? Here? Yeah, that's just the number one there. Oh, wow. But no, um, those are the same jerseys and pants, uh, this combo, that we've had this combo since 2012. And the only th- the criticism, like, I really like the helmets. I think the helmets look beautiful. I think the helmets really pop, like you say. I will say on the helmets, I'm kind of to the point, after I've watched a lot of old-school Missouri football this offseason, I'm kind of the point where I want every version of our helmet to have some version of, like, the, the three stripes on it. Because that's the one sort of signifier of all these decades of, even back to when my dad was in school in the 60s, basically ever since Missouri went away from leather helmets, <laughs> like once they got real helmets, they, had, they hadn't even had numbers on the side at one point, but even when they had numbers on the side, they still had that, the classic, the gold stripe down the middle with the two like white stripes on the side, for lack of a better description, but actually when you get to the uniforms, again, that white stripe on there, I'd just like to see more white in that uniform. That'd be the one big change I would make because still to this day we're still we're still hanging on to the anthracite era because that gray anthracite does go on the outside of those numbers. Frankly, if that was white on the outside, I just think the whole thing would pop a little bit better and would be make a good uniform all that much better. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're just, you know, we're phasing out the anthracite. You don't want to make too abrupt of a of a switch there. It'd be a little jarring maybe <laughs> to get rid of to get rid of it totally. They conditioned us, you know, so much. I wouldn't be that having, jarred. No, I, I would, wouldn't be that jarred. I would to be, be honest. I might be hard, not jarred. I'm kidding. Um, is that, is that, does that pass the filters? We'll, we'll leave it in. I don't know. It's late um, enough in the show. Yeah, it looks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it looks good. Um, I do have a last year with. I think we wore a different helmet, you know, every game, and we had so many variations on the on the M that I just really like the M on the helmets again. Seeing that come back, so I. Yeah, I mean, I like the I like the Power Tiger or right. whatever having it as a as a logo. Sure, but I do like seeing the M. I'm M with you, helmet. but yeah, like I said, I remember I really liked the the white M helmet that we wore against Tennessee, I believe, a couple seasons ago. And again, I just think it would look even better with with the classic tiger stripes on the top of it. That's all I'm saying. The little the gold white or well, it might even be. I guess uh, the Liberty Bowl white helmets had the sort of the black version of that stripe because mm-hmm. obviously the helmets were white. So you know, just some version of that sort of black, white, and gold sort of stripe pattern on the top of the helmet. Yeah, to I me, to keep keep that in place. But I do like I, I do like adding there. the I do like adding the diamonds to the to the just straight gold stripe. And I also I also notice here they've got just a, a, a prominent Z O U on the very top I don't know what you'd call that, like on the in the face top of the face just mask. Just above bar. yeah, just above the face mask and on that stripe more or less. Z O U, my my trading badge in Chicago, by the way. That's how people know me. A zoo. Up in up in the windy city, but I don't so know I how like this. That. I don't know how this. I don't know how this fits into our analysis here. But <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head with this number one coming out in this that, but I was like, man, Calderon off Easter looks great. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. What, <laughs> what, what a one, random callback! Yeah, I don't know why Calderon off nope. Easter is forever associated not, with the number one. Not Jimmy my, Jackson. Uh, no, no, it's, it's called Not Joe Easter. Freeman. No, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> how, how long can I go on this number one thing? William Moore uh, was he number one or was he number two? I mean, he was number. Two. I think he was two. Okay. All right, since I failed on that last one, <laughs> let's wrap this baby up really quickly. Do, do you have any opinions on the point spread this weekend? It's I, When it came out, it was it first opened 19 several weeks ago, and I remember saying, that's too low, not going to stay there. Well, here we are. It's 27 now. I don't feel like I have any edge here whatsoever, so I'm just going to leave the analysis to you. Yeah, it's a giant number, um, and it's a there's a lot of unknowns with Missouri. There's also unknowns with Alabama. I mean, 
they've, they've always are replacing guys that are higher profile guys, but you don't know what that transition is going to be like for them as well. And um, yeah, I, th- I think that's just too high of a number. I think we, I was looking some stuff up. I think we covered this large number at home historically very well. We don't upset the team very often. Although I think we may have been a bigger a bigger dog than this when we beat Oklahoma in 2010 again. Well, no, um, it was Nebraska was. The oh, that's year. okay. No, there you go. Because the Oklahoma game, I think we were three point dogs. You're or right. Something you're right. I got game. I got those things conflated. But yeah. Anyway, and, and I think Alabama doesn't have a. They're, you know, fifty fifty covering these giant twenty plus point road margins sure. either. So there's not a lot of in historical trends you know you can take what you want out of those anyway but the problem is we still aren't totally sure who's going to be playing in this ball game frankly on either side to some extent like who knows Devonte smith could not be in warm-ups tomorrow or jalen waddle or whoever i mean we, there's just no edge here is my humble yeah, opinion so just stay away watch the game that would be my advice we'll take, take some what's unders. Our total take some unders this weekend yeah if you're going to if you're going to think totals i think some of these sec teams you're going to see some sloppy football probably the first week the public generally likes to take overs anyway. Just go against the public. That's my advice. Just take some some unders, the totals. That's my whole advice. But you know what? My other advice is obviously to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever you Android people. I don't know what you, you Blake, you Android people like Blake do. I don't understand that whole world. But seriously, though, find us anywhere. Tell a friend. We love you guys so much. And definitely going to get... A recap out, eh, maybe a half hour, hour after the conclusion of the Alabama game. So, until next time, I'm John Miller for Blake Stark, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.